I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. Welcome to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching the next generation in our world today. I'm Micah, and this is my co-host. Josiah. Hey guys, what's up? We are so thrilled to have you tuning in today. Yeah, such a joy to come into your homes and earbuds and phones. Thanks for subscribing, rating, reviewing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts really helps us reach more listeners with the message Mm -hmm. of young adults today. And um, we're excited to welcome our friend Luke Lizan on the other side. Luke, how are you? I am so good. Thank you guys for having me on. This is amazing. I cannot wait to jump into this with y'all. Let's get ready. Let's jump right in. (laughs) Luke, by the way, is Luke and his wife, Lindsay, live in Orlando, Florida, where Luke is a teaching and young adult pastor at LifeBridge Church, where he leads the young adult movement called Key. Uh, Luke preaches all over the country and world. He's a creative, hilarious, dynamic preacher and teacher of God's word with a palpable love for people. He's also an author of the book, Your Mess Matters. And Luke, our paths have crossed at a few different events, and I'm grateful for that. And we're pumped to be spending some time with you. So for Micah and I, and for the listener, Mm -hmm. can you just take us um, to a little bit of a glimpse into your life and your journey of leadership? Yeah, no, you know, it's, um, it's crazy. I, uh, I'll, I'll kind of jump in at the college point because everything prior to that is just a train wreck. So, um, when I got to college, I was, I went to Texas A&M and, uh, I had no idea that while I was at A&M, the ministry I was at was called breakaway. I don't know if you guys yeah. are familiar with breakaway. Yeah. I thought that was a normal thing. And uh, the more that I've been around life, leadership, and ministry, mm-hmm. that is not a normal thing to have 14,000 people pack out the basketball arena to pretty much participate in a massive Bible study. And so it was led by an incredible, uh, I think one of the best teachers of the Bible, Ben Stewart at the time, Jeff and Jordan Johnson were leading worship. Now all of those people are at wow. Passion City, DC in Atlanta. And it was a uh, phenomenal. I felt called to ministry there. Uh, I didn't know what that looked like. I knew that I probably needed to stop trying to be a nurse anesthetist and start figuring out something else. So I switched my major to communication, which made college substantially easier at that point. And uh, (laughs) man, or did you do communication? I was BizCom. BizCom. Okay. yeah. Yeah. So that was, I was, it's pretty much like going undecided all the way through. And uh, it was awesome. While being and, creative, while being creative, yeah. <laughs> creative studies was my minor because that's go. how, you know, oh my and so it was, uh, it was a whole thing. I ended up, um, I ended up doing some writing online. I met my wife, uh, at that time I got asked to speak at different things, but I, I wasn't like leading anything. It was more like, uh, kind of like a scary thing where people didn't do any homework on me. They would just kind of invite me to come talk because I had a, online presence, which I found is a terrible practice, uh, but it allowed me to get my feet wet. Praise God. And so um, after that, I was doing marriage counseling. Lindsay and I were with a guy that was pastoring a church that wasn't even where I grew up. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, but as soon as I graduated, my family moved to Fayetteville, Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas for my dad's job. And so I was like, I don't know anybody, but that's where I go home when I'm done with college. And that's where Lindsay and I need to find somebody. 
Anyway, so one time we were starting premarital counseling. Well, it turned into a church planning conversation. And he was just like, hey, do you need a job? And I was like, I, I, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. And so he had me come on staff as the associate pastor of this church plant. And that's really where I started to get my, um, my feet under me in ministry. It was, um, I mean, it was everything that you would think it would be. It was awesome to get the opportunity to speak. Uh, and learn how to preach a little bit. But I also was doing, I mean, I was scrubbing the toilets and setting out the chairs and mopping the floors, all that kind of stuff. But uh, it took us, it took us a couple years there to kind of figure out what um, we felt like God was ultimately calling us to do. Ended up going to Atlanta to start um, uh, helping lead a young adult ministry uh, called The Alternative uh, out there in uh, South Atlanta. And so we did that for Another couple of years, it was amazing, had a great time, learned a lot. Uh, but ultimately, um, we decided somewhere along the journey there that we needed to park it because we didn't know where these kids were going. And we were like, hey, we're preaching to them. But like, are they being discipled? Right. Um, what does that what does that look like? I don't even know. And so I ended up uh, and, and I think you guys know Grant Skeldon. Yeah, uh, I ended up I ended up uh, working with Grant uh, at Initiative, doing some work on discipleship, trying to grow in my own um, ministry there, and learning that. And I learned so many great things before eventually speaking at a conference where the guy leading worship uh, was at the church that I am currently at right now, LifeBridge. And um, anyway, he he just said, "Hey." you know, uh, we're not doing anything crazy at our church. It's growing a lot. All we're doing is making a big deal about Jesus. And I was like, okay, like whatever, like who cares? Like, every church is making a big deal about Jesus. Aren't they? You know, it's, it just, it wasn't super spiritual to Lindsay and I, but for them, they like started praying. They felt like the Holy spirit was doing something there. And I was like, thank God. Cause I was just like, all right, I'm going to go home and eat. And the executive pastor ended up calling me down the road and, um, and saying, Hey, do you want to do youth ministry? I said, absolutely not. Uh, he said, what about young adult ministry? I said that I'd be interested in. Mm -hmm. And, um, I there was nobody reaching young adults in Orlando really. And wow. so they brought me in and we felt like this is where God wanted us to be. And it's been a crazy year, uh, really year and a half down here, but God is just moving in unbelievable way. So that's a really quick snapshot mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. the ways that I've led over the first like six years of Lindsay and I's marriage and uh, right out of college. So it's been, it's been a whirlwind, but uh, God's just been so gracious the whole time. It's been amazing. That's amazing. Luke, thank you so much for sharing. And I love the fact that you recognize now what you thought was normal was not a norm for most people. When it came to 14,000 people coming together, when it came to me working in North Dakota and like 200 young adults who get together every Thursday night started with 12 of us, 35, 75, hundred to 200, turned to a conference, mission trips, all these other things. And when you leave what you know in the normal mm -hmm. and you get up and you're placed or planted somewhere else in God's timing, you sit back and you're, you have to develop a new norm. Yep. You observe things right. in a different culture, different states, different leadership, different churches, different climates, um, just like what God's doing and the Holy Spirit's doing and what we as leaders are allowing mm. God to do and intervene with. And I think it's so fun to hear like you knew your yeses and your noes because there's so many youth pastors that know that they're called to youth. And there's many young adult pastors that say, I want young adults, but I'm 
doing both, you know, and it's like your heart becomes torn. So for you to say youth, nah, that's not me. Young adults, yes. And they both matter. Don't get me wrong for the listener. Like they both matter, but we need to know our yeses and our noes. And I believe that God just really blesses that process. And we can just take all of who we are and pour into that, you know, vision and that leadership and that um, place that God's planted us. Well, and I've I've got a few follow-up questions, Luke, because I've been following your journey online back to the days of writing or back to our paths crossed, I think at Catalyst and then a few other events over the past four or five years. But I'd love to know from your vantage point, why do you believe that discipleship efforts like Mm. young adult ministry within the context of a local church, why do they matter so much? Well, I think the funny thing is, I guess it's not actually funny, but it's interesting to watch um, the way that we have created ministries within the local church um, has been in such a way where we've created the own problem that we gripe about. Uh, And so we'll say things like, man, we're, you know, where's the next generation? Uh, You know, people are leaving the church. Uh, Well, we, we haven't we haven't made rooms for them. So at the most critical juncture in the life of an individual, uh, you know, we have these youth ministries and, and youth pastors do unbelievable work and such important work. But after 18 years old, you just kind of hope they figure it out until they, what, get married and have kids and, you know, have enough stable income to start giving and, uh, you know, assimilate into the things that God's doing in your church. Well, by that point, that's where some of the most formative things have happened in their life. I am firmly uh, of the mindset that 18 to 23 is some of the most critical years of your life. You're either putting into practice things that you learned in your church growing up or in the home growing up, or you're having to unlearn things that happened at that point of life. And so there's a lot of difficulty involved there and they need people that can walk alongside them. That's Mm -hmm. where so much um, formative uh, spiritual formation happens in their life or deformation Mm -hmm. happens in their life. And so I think it's critical because that is where you can really uh, solidify their involvement in not just the church, but you can help them understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do uh, in them. That's where I found a lot of my own giftings uh, and and uh, the things that God had placed in me. That's where a lot of people pulled them out of me was at that time. But you find a lot of people struggling with identity, uh, struggling with dating and finances, all of these major life things at that juncture. And we don't take them seriously or even have a place for it necessarily. So we felt like it was critical to create that place. Uh, and I, I still feel that way. Um, I, I wish every church had a young adult ministry, mm-hmm. even if you got like six of them. Right. You too. Yep. You wish that too. Yep. I think it's great to be a, you see a problem and you want to be a part of the solution. And part of why, why we do what we do is the solution in a perfect world would be like you just said that every single church would have young adult ministry starts as a small organic life group can explode to 606,000 only no, only God knows what can be done. And I just absolutely love that, that you have a heart for young adult ministry. And I would just take it one step deeper. Why do you so firmly believe that young adult ministry is vital in this day and age? Well, I think if you, if you miss, if you miss the opportunity to help them 
grow at this stage of life, that's how you miss the next generation. Uh, because you 18 to 30, that's, that's what our young adult ministry is that that's a generation. Uh, and so we're like, man, where the next generation is leaving. Well, we haven't, we don't have a place for them to go. So I think it's vital because I think you're honestly, I think your best leaders, uh, many of them are found in that demographic. I can only speak for, um, our church and our situation right now. The majority of the people that serve at our church are young adults, uh, because we, we tell them all the time, um, you maybe don't have money that you can tithe, but you do have time. You have more right. time than anybody else that's here. Um, and, and you have that freedom. And so they're, they're finding out within the community that we have developed that there's actually a place where they're not just contributing for the sake of our church, but the church is actually having a deep impact on them. And it's, uh, it's changing their life because God's at work within them. I think it's vital because if you don't, if you do not grab that particular demographic, then I think your church will be dead in 20 years. Yeah, that's just math. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just math. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's a, a generation that has a rally cry. What about us? Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. What about us? Where's you said it this way? Where's the room for us? Right. Where do we fit in? And and they also don't feel comfortable just sitting on the sidelines spectating. They want to be put oh, in the yeah. game yesterday, yeah. center field, put me in coach. I'm ready to play. Like mm -hmm. I want to contribute. I want to create. Mm -hmm. I want to be involved. And you've now led in a, a few spaces. You mentioned it off the top, whether it was Arkansas, whether it was Atlanta, Georgia, um, doing some other, of course, travel and speaking, seeing a lot of context, sure. but now mm -hmm. anchored in Orlando, I'd be curious to know, Luke, like, what are you seeing when it comes to the faith of 18 to 30 year olds, the faith of the next generation, the faith of young adults? Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a really, really strong hunger for truth. Mm -hmm. um, and I think um, there's, there's a really interesting dynamic happening at this juncture in the modern era with that particular demographic in the church, because even it's not just the church, it's just that that generation in general is the most fatherless generation of all time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they've either grown up in a single parent household or in there's some kind of brokenness, traumatic situation more than ever before. And that's not any, that's not any Christian news source. That's secular. Mm -hmm. uh, just telling the truth about that realization. So a lot of people uh, will say, you know, I need to be more hands-off with, the, I don't want to like hurt their feelings. They're very easily offended. Uh, I've actually found quite the opposite. I think if you are to look only on the internet, um, you, if, if you're looking for it, you'll find it. I mean, sure. There's lots of, uh, there's a great divide there and, you know, it, it's easy to poke fun at and I will time to time. But what I've found is that I can be not intentionally harsh, but say something that most people would be afraid is taken as harsh and they respond in an incredible way because they've never heard somebody say, Hey, don't do this, do that or this isn't going to work for that reason, uh, or I want the best for you. And because of that, this is what Jesus says about 
how to do these things, pick it, name it. And they respond in an unbelievable way because they deeply are desiring somebody to come alongside them and say, I want the best for you. And God wants the best for you, more importantly. And that's not it. And they don't go, well, I don't believe you. I think that I just, I want to do it this way. They might struggle through it for a little bit, but ultimately they've been incredibly receptive And hungry for it. And so uh, I think there's a lot of people that um, they're a little bit more averse to starting a ministry around that demographic because they're afraid of them and afraid of how they'll Mm -hmm. handle some of these things. And yet uh, they're more receptive to them than most adults that Mm -hmm. I find. Yeah. They're, they're formulating what they believe versus feeling like, no, I'm very established and I know exactly how to do this. Mm-hmm. Luke, it's so true. And I look at like the, the prominence of Jordan Peterson and some yeah. of his work mm-hmm. and, and you look at why is this college professor from Canada becoming a number one best-selling author mm. numerous times, mm. filling up stadiums, becoming mm. very, very well known on YouTube. If you watch it, he is doing exactly what you're saying. He's telling people, don't do this, do this. I'm going to call it 12 simple rules for life. And he is filling up stadiums and really with young men. I see a lot of people. and, And to your earlier point, I think that that might be happening so prominently because the local church isn't a place where there maybe is a room for them. And so I look at like people without mothers, people without fathers, people looking for that older brother or sister or that source of accountability that cares about you Mm -hmm. that you can tell is emotionally invested in you. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to find it, whether that's in the local church, if we make space and make room and prepare the way and create an environment for them, or they're going to find it elsewhere, maybe online or Mm -hmm. digitally or or somewhere else. Somebody else might try to meet that need. Well, I think the last thing that we want to do as leaders is see young adults avoid the church altogether, avoid rejection, avoid um, the questions that they deem are unwanted, but they really are. They really are desired. Like we desire to answer and come alongside people who are wrestling, who are struggling, who are, you know, just, just discovering who they are in Christ or who Christ is to them, you know? And I think so many of the listeners um, today are leaders. They're in a role or a position, whether it's in ministry on a college campus, or it's in the church walls, or maybe they're just leading a Bible study as a volunteer. We have some very organic groups that listen to that are 18, 19 year olds in smaller towns being like, we had 20 people come to our Bible study. That's a win. Yeah, it's amazing. That's a win. Oh, it's amazing. And look, I would love to hear uh, what advice do you have for the listener today who is just like starting to take over a young adult ministry or wanting to see a young adult ministry start where they're at? Like, what advice do you have for them right now? Yeah, I would say to that person, pastor, whoever that is, don't focus on who's not there, focus on who is there. Good. Uh, I think a lot of the reasons that we don't um, we don't want to start something is because you do see this, that, or the other. At the end of the day, like I used to try to, I'll be honest, I used to try to justify um, the benefits of social media, but I think at the end of the day, it's a net negative for the most part. Um, and I love, I use it. Obviously, I think there's a lot of benefits to it, but I think you have to really, really be careful about how often you're spending your time there. Cause more often than not, uh, when I talk to somebody that's deeply discouraged or honestly is just afraid of taking the risk in general, what they'll 
always go to is not what's stopping them from doing it where they are. It's from it not being what they ideally want it to be in their head. And so I'm like, if you just focus on cultivating the people that God has placed in front of you and quit trying to construct this fantasy world of, you know, Hey, if we're not passion conference in the next, you know, three meetings, like we've failed. Well, you know, you look at these ministries and it's, it's over many, 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 many Mm -hmm. years of faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Uh, And usually it's over many, 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 many leaders. The baton has been passed um, or it's shared in a really, really strong way. And so focus on who's there because more often than not, if God has placed the desire in your heart to start a young adult ministry or see something like that, then he's probably also put leaders around you that can help you carry that vision. Right. And I think sometimes when God does give us a passion or um, a desire, sometimes I think we covet that vision too long and we hold on to it and we're unwilling to even share it with a best friend. Because I think sometimes, even in my life, when I was younger, I'd be scared to share something like, well, they're just going to take that idea and run with it. Well, Mm -hmm. who hasn't thought of that before? Like, let's just be real. There's a lot of things that have just been thought of that maybe have been pivoted in a new way over time when it comes to ministry, creativity, artwork, photography, whatever. You can put your own personal spin on it. But sometimes I think we covet the calling and we don't respond versus allowing God to cultivate that in prayer, what he's asked us to do or what he's guiding us to do. And just, if we can remove the lens of fear and doubt and comparison and just say, you know what, if my population is 1200 people in my town, 50 young adults coming to something is a win. Yeah. You go to a big city. Well, there's a million people. There. There's a reason why 10,000 people can show up. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, well, I like- the, the average <laughs> church is like 175 people. Yeah. I mean, if you have 50, 20 young adults in a small group. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And it's, you know, the hard thing is I wish, I wish more people would talk about their start Mm -hmm. Um, because all we do is we see like the fruitfulness of years of work, but I'm, I'm never super curious about uh, how are you doing it now? I'm like, how did, how did it start? Mm -hmm. What is the origin story of this and you find with everybody it's usually not sexy (laughs) right right i mean when we got here um it was hey you're this is your thing um do whatever you want to do we don't know what that looks like you know let us know how you need to be resourced within reason and see what happens and so what i did is i went and sat and got coffee with every single young adult that was currently at the church yep. and that was a part of whatever hodgepodge thing was already there, which was about 20 people at the time. I immediately grew the ministry from 20 to about seven. And then from there it took off, but I had the right seven um, yeah. that, that understood and God had put the right people there. And just started talking to them. I figured out who got it, said, Hey, will you help me carry this vision? This is what I see God doing in Orlando. And when we had our interest meeting, what I thought would just be those seven people and myself was 130 people that showed up. That's amazing. Simply. But if I'd have just stayed with trying to go and reach the people that weren't there initially and like flyer and do all those things instead of 
disciple the people that were in front of me and see who would be about it. Uh, I don't, I don't know that it would have grown the way it has. And that's no genius in me. That's, I think that's, um, that's just looking at what Jesus did and seeing the fruit of multiplication that starts with the seed of discipleship versus Mm -hmm. trying to go for something outrageous off the bat. I think also that's one of my favorite things, Luke, is I resonate with you of like hearing founder stories. And I think that's why with Guy Raz, he has this podcast called How I Built This. And you hear about whether it's like Damon Johns or Mark Cuban or gosh, Lululemon, all these household names and brands Mm -hmm. and pick a company and he's probably interviewed the founder and he'll ask Mm -hmm. him like, okay, what Instagram, do you think it was more luck or more timing? And, or, or did you think it was more luck or more skill? And those are great <laughs> questions because nobody, nobody knew then what it would be now. And like, mm-hmm. yes, you have vision and you have hopes and dreams and ambitions and aspirations and goals, which right. are kind of vision sometimes with like action. And, but I, I resonate with that of, there's been so many times in my life that, um, I've just wondered how did that start? And you look yeah. at the, the landscape mm-hmm. of young adult ministry, it's not too late today. There yeah. are un, unreached, mm-hmm. a, a generation mm-hmm. that's unreached. Right. There are campuses with no presence mm-hmm. of the gospel. There are all kinds of churches, maybe even you're listening and it's in your community. And yeah, you look at like passion or you look at some of the crew, winter conferences, InterVarsity, Chi Alpha, some of the established Mm -hmm. ministries. And guess what? There's room for more. There's room. There's actually a need for more. And and so I I love what you're saying. Well, I think about just, just know everything started from something, right? Everything started from somebody's idea. I look at, I can't remember her name, but the, the little girl, see you at the pole. She want to pray. (laughs) She want to pray for her high school friends. She was the only one there in the rain. You're one. Wow. And now thousands right. of young adults gather. And I think of um, Joyce Meyer went to one of her conferences. She was talking about how she would share the gospel in her little cutoff jeans in a hotel, smoking a cigarette while she's doing it. Well, we don't see that Joyce now. We see the one that's been yeah. doing this for 30, 40, 50 years, like Andy Stanley, um, Andy Stanley's dad, Charles. We mm-hmm. see um, Louis Giglio. Mm-hmm. Like we see these big platforms now, but we don't know the blood, sweat, and tears that went into cost, 30 yeah. years yeah. and beyond from the people who went before us, the shoulders we've been able to stand on. And I would just say, who are you throwing up on your shoulders? Who is going yeah. to see further than you can see and go farther than you can go? And are you going to be a leader that's going to help people pave the way or are you going to hold on to what God has given you so tightly that it's just going to be all in vain you know and I think I think that's a nice way to start the year of the inventory of our own personal soul of saying okay Lord you've obviously given me a dream I would rather I would rather fail trying than never try at all you know, yes. and wonder the what if, what if I would have X, Y, Z, what if I would have prayed more? What if I would have known the word of God more? What if I wouldn't have been right. afraid to invite? And I think, um, we believe that everything's birthed in prayer. So I just want to encourage a listener. If there's something that you've been praying about, or there's something that you feel stuck in, take it to the Lord, hand yeah. it over, surrender, allow the sanctification process, allow the humility to, to take its course <laughs> and yeah. just see what God does when we put our hands, um, to the plow, he's going to be the one that navigates, you know? So if we just have to get in the field sometimes, and it's going to look a little dirty and dusty, but we see the sensations overnight, the TikToks now where it's like, oh, they're famous in five days. And it's like, 
people have been plugging away in the quiet room with the Lord for 50 plus years. And now they're just seeing some extreme breakthroughs of their obedience and their discipleship and of their disciplines. So I just want to end strong in what we start everything that we do personally. So yeah. sorry, I went off. So but. good. So <laughs> good. Oh, it's amazing. And Luke, I know that um, there's so many people that might be tuning in right now that are discouraged. They've had a tough, uh, a tough couple of years. Mm-hmm. Maybe they feel like their ministry doesn't look like it once did. Maybe yeah. they're just facing some challenges, whether it's health or finances, or they're deeply discouraged. And mm-hmm. um, you, you've just said some things in the past that I've heard you say about like, life is messy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to maybe be afraid of that. But if somebody was deeply discouraged today and they found themselves listening to this and they needed like some hope to hold mm-hmm. on to, how would you encourage them today? Yeah, I would say um, one of the beautiful things that you see all throughout scripture and God's word and the way that he deals with these great people that find themselves in the hall of faith is it, it's, it's never smooth seas that make a skilled sailor. It tends to be, it tends to be that these people learn to cling to hope in the midst of hopelessness. They did not succeed in spite of hopelessness that they faced, but they ended up being fruitful because of the hope that they clung to in the midst of that hopelessness. Uh, If, if you're facing some kind of test, that's a good indication that there's, there's something that's coming on the other side of that. I don't, you know, a lot of people, there's lots of sayings like, you know, if you, you know, if you're not being tested or you are being tested, then that means, you know, the devil's after you and God's got a huge assignment for you. Well, I think bigger than anything else is God's growing you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be for something else. God's growing you. I'll say one way that I, I'll be honest, like this is, this is going to be super honest. When I first started doing ministry, I desperately wanted my name to be known. Mm-hmm. Desperately wanted to be known. I am fiercely committed to dying and being forgotten at this point. Uh, I think if if you can recognize this is not this is not mine ultimately. This is this is Jesus Church. This is His ministry. Uh, I'm bathing this in prayer. Uh, there's some deeper work that He's doing within me then ultimately I can know this, that he's, he's, he who began a good work is going to see it to completion. And a good work is a difficult work. Uh, the statue of David is the most revered piece of art, maybe on planet earth. But when Michelangelo was sculpting that thing, it was the ugliest, nastiest. The marble itself had been rejected by two different guys that said, there's no way that this marble can be carved into anything. It's got too many dysfunctions within it. It's too ugly of a piece to be made into anything. Michelangelo grabbed his hammer and chisel for two years and sat in that field with that marble that had been in an open courtyard for 20 years untouched. And he would work on it in the rain. He would work on it at all hours of the day and night. He did not let anybody else see what he was doing. The first time people got a look at that marble block after it had been rejected and had been pretty much sentenced to death was when it was completed into the statue of David that still stands today in Italy. So 
if you want to have some type of work that's long lasting and worth it and beautiful, and I don't trust leaders that don't have calluses. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a there is something really really beautiful about the work that God does in those moments of discouragement. So I'd say welcome. You are in good company. Uh, <laughs> find people that you can get honest with about it. You need to have places uh, where and people that. Um, are not going to accept all of your venting that um, is that is often just us wanting to spew lies mm-hmm. that the enemy has been telling to us, but we'll be able to uh, combat the things that you feel with the truth of what God is doing within you and the work that he's put before you. Love it. Oh my gosh. I am so glad we went off script mm-hmm. there for a second, Luke, because um, I feel like you're a person who you've tasted some of like, what maybe at least I would describe as a young leader of like recognition or success. Are you willing to go there or, or share any of your journey about like maybe what that was like, or did, was it fulfilling to you? Was it empty? Any thoughts on that? Oh, I love, I love it. I think that's the problem. It's, it's the sin in me. I love it. Who doesn't love it? You know, uh, that, I mean, I, Maybe I'm going to get, uh, we'll have to edit this out because I'm just being too honest, but that's the, it's like the guy that will come up to you. This is young adult ministry 101. I'll meet with people and they're like, yeah, man, me and my girlfriend are struggling. I mean, like, we're not like tempted to have sex or anything. Like we're just, you know, we're just kind of like, I'm like, well, we got bigger issues. If that's not a thing for y'all, of course you're struggling with that. Like, I think it's the same thing with some of these other issues. It's like, we all love recognition. Uh, I think. The issue is I, I stumble underneath the weight of it. All of my creativity and anything that God had put within me started to die the moment that I started to strive for that. And it died. Mm. Uh, I mean, it was, it was bad for about a year and a half. I didn't do anything. I mean, it might've looked like I was doing something, um, but I wasn't doing anything uh, because God had laid me down uh, at that whole Psalm 23, he makes you lie down in green pastures. It was a makes situation. And um, of course we love it. Uh, I was talking to a, who I'll call a prominent Christian leader um, who was working at an unbelievable ministry and started uh, working in a different city. And I, and I said, why did you leave? Why did you leave the city you were in? It was like going amazing. You're killing it. And he said, because I was famous there. Hmm. And I was like, this guy knows the Lord better than I do. Uh, I think you, it's an addiction. It's a cultural thing. It's uh, this is something that did not exist 20 years ago. People used to do ministry because that's what they felt called to do. Now I don't know if you feel called to do it or if you want to be famous through it Hmm. Uh, because you can be. Um, and we see, I mean, this week, my mentor came into town to check in on me because he knows I'm a train wreck most of the time. And he just was like, Hey, did you see this guy fell? He said, do you have any unconfessed sin in your life? Uh, I think there's a lot, a lot of guardrails that you have to put up if you don't want to fall into that. And I think the first step, it's like, AA. it's admitting it, you know, it's like, I love, I who doesn't love being like, Hey, you've really helped me. And I recognize you from X. It's like, Oh, cool. Um, but then you get to have a conversation with those people and they find out, Oh, um, he's not that cool. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's kind of awesome, you know? So um, I think God uses it and it's amazing. And that's not to slam any guys that have like a massive platform. Good for y'all. Like I know I'm, like some awesome guys that have huge platforms and God uses those as much as he uses small faithful ones. Um, it's just, you can't love it too much or it'll eat you alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, Luke. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it all, all comes down to the condition of the heart. And at yeah. some point it will come out no matter what time it is. And if we can recognize that early on the, the onsets of um, pride or whatever this welling up inside of any of us, and you don't have to be yeah. a leader or this pastor, or well, you don't have to be leading anything crazy. You can just naturally be <laughs> bombarded with the sinful nature of humanity, Christian, non-Christian, believer, non-believer, yeah. pre-believer, whatever. And to be able to recognize that. But Luke, I love that you had said you had an accountability partner. So good. And that's just one thing I just want to lean into for the listener today yeah. is our prayer, um, at least my prayer with Josiah, our prayer as a married couple is that young adult ministry leaders in this generation would have discipleship. They would have mentors. They would have accountability yeah. partners. They would finish the ministry strong, wow. well, and healthy. And not to say that there's not going to be bumps and bruises along the way, but if you need to seek out mentoring or counseling, or just on, like you said, any unconfessed sins, blah, have somebody yeah. that you can trust. Who's not going to like hang you to the cross about that, but it's going to say, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to be here. Let's pray about this now. Let's pray about this now. I'm going to come alongside you and I'm going to, I'll call you a week from now and see how you're doing. And I think a lot of individuals because of pride that gets in the way of even asking for mentorship. So finding a mentor that you love, you respect, but you're also a little scared of is a good thing. You don't want to have to tell them everything is going on, but you're like, no, I have to. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think seeing them as an authority is um, incredibly important. Um, I, I think, uh, I, it might've been Beth Moore that tweeted something like yesterday or two days ago that just like blew my mind. And she, I think she said, Hey, Christian leaders in your twenties and thirties, um, you know, make sure that you're not like trying to hang people out to dry or, you know, just condemn people by word or by deed. She said, God can still use you in an incredible way, but you have yet to even begun to be tested. Yeah. And I was like, dang. So, I mean, mentorship looks different for everybody. Being discipled looks a little bit different. You know, it takes a little bit to find a fit. I've had multiple people, the guy that currently does that in my life, Jim Shepard. I mean, he is just he's, he's way ahead of me. He's, he's got like a solid, you know, 30 something years on me, but, um, more than that is like, I I just trust him. I just trust him. And it's gotta be somebody that you can trust with, with all of it. And that'll call you out, um, and call you up. I mean, Mm -hmm. he doesn't like condemn me, but he definitely will call me out and call me up. That's good. That's good. That's one of our tactics or with one thing that we feel convinced that God has called us to is we're going to call a generation out, but call them up. I mean, I'm going to call you out in love and up in truth. So it's all going to go back to the word of God. It's all going to go back to the heart of Christ. And we want the best for you. Even as a listener, like we pray for you regularly, whether you're a new listener, we've been praying that you'd tune in. If you've been with us since day one, well, we're still praying for you. So, um, it'll be, it'll be super fun. It's interesting. Uh, I, I can't, I cannot stress enough either. Uh, like this, your heartbeat is, is very similar to mine. I think everybody's got to have somebody, especially if you're a leader. Some people are like, well, I'm the leader. And so therefore I'm like, no, you need 
twice the mentorship, then Mm -hmm. uh, you're not going to make it. Otherwise, I I can almost certainly say that if you plan on doing ministry for 40, 50, you're not going to make it. Or maybe you're built differently than I am. I'm not going to make it. I'll tell you that right now. Right. Um, I mean, I just, I know my tendencies. I think we all do to some degree, right? I mean, if you, if you are young, especially, I think there's, there's pride in you that you don't even recognize sometimes. Uh, My least favorite word in the world is deserve. Mm. I deserve this. I deserve that. You build something that's awesome. That's probably worse than you struggling to build something that's awesome. Like at some level, you start to make compromises by saying, you know what? People don't get the things that I go through as a Christian leader that I deserve to do this. Uh I deserve that. And it's like, you actually don't deserve anything. Um, It's all grace. Uh, And if you don't have somebody that's regularly bringing you back to that, it's a struggle because I I'm saying that to y'all and tomorrow there's going to be something that I'm like, I just, I deserve to do this. Uh, but Jim and a couple other guys in my life are people that'll be like, um, says who you, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> that was a dad face says who, yeah, oh, that's Dude, good. Yeah, it's I'm good to have those people spot on. Luke. I need that in my life. We all do. Mm-hmm. We all need the person who looks back at us and can, can say, who know, did that now? And whose name? Yep. Oh my <laughs> gosh. What did God do? And, oh, my, oh my gosh. I think of so many conversations I've had where I said something and a mentor or leader corrected me and I, my face blushed, my heart beat oh. fast. And I was like, oh man, I'm thankful that I had this private conversation with the door closed <laughs> versus a public conversation where other people heard what I just said that I, I can't believe I said, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, totally. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God for that is a gift. It is a gift. And, um, you know, Luke, like we're about to go into a five and five segment where we put five minutes on the clock and just here's, it gets to know you more. But before we do, I'd be curious to know, like, Micah taught me this, um, surrounding ourselves with young leaders and just seeing so many people have a need for friends Mm. and hobbies. So many people just need a friend and they need a hobby. And we all do. I need friends and hobbies. And I I love those outlets. They're gifts. Like you just said, and outside of ministry, I'd be curious, like, let's just say you had the afternoon off in Orlando or you had a, you know, maybe a Sabbath day or weekend, like what's one thing we'd find you doing that makes you come alive? Uh, okay. So a couple things I, I love to play basketball. Um, I love sports. Uh, so if I'm, I'm going to do some kind of working out, but I mean, preferably it's basketball or something because if it's just working out, it's just exhausting, but I love, I love it. It's almost like I have to do it um, for my own mental state. I don't go running in zero degrees with no headphones. That's what psychopaths do, but uh, I do, I do uh, do some noted different, some different things. I'm just like, I'm like, we're going to find this guy on cold case or something. Um, I hope not. I, uh, I hope not. Pray for us. <laughs> right. No, um, I love coffee shops. So I will just go find, I will look up different coffee shops and I'll just go read. I just like reading in places and having absolutely no agenda. Oftentimes I'm working in them, writing diligently, uh, doing something. 
but I, I love just like finding new places uh, and and reading a good book there. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty simple in that. I don't uh, I don't have anything too crazy that I like to do. But um, yeah, I'm I'm more introverted. So uh, which people are like, there's no way. Uh, but I am. So I love doing that. All right, Luke, we've come to the part where we get to get to know you a little more. Are you ready for Ooh, a three point? T- what is it called? Three point contest. contest? Maybe the dunk contest. Yes. That sounds more fun. Even better. Five. Yeah. You get yeah. five chances for five good answers under one minute each. Are you up for the challenge? I think so. You think so. All right. Audience, are you ready for question number one, Luke? If you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Uh, passionate, bold, and um, gentle. It's amazing. What about your favorite go-to like road trip snack? What are you munching on? Pretzels. Pretzels all day. It might be goldfish. I love goldfish, but we're always going to have pretzels 24-7. It's a bad habit, but I love them. That's fun. Our daughter calls goldfish blub lubs. Blub blub lubs? Yeah, blub because lubs. the fish goes blub. So blub lubs. That is amazing and possibly the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. Or cheese so. that sound like Jesus. You want Jesus loves me? No, cheese it. Yeah. Oh, cheese it. Oh, <laughs> I hope that my son has something funny like that, that I can post that goes kind of oh. crazy like that. I love those videos of kids saying stuff. They wrong, will, but they it's so will. Cute. He will. You have so much to look forward to being a parent. So oh good. All right. Question number three, Luke, if you could ask Josiah and myself one question, what would it be? That's a little bit of the curveball today. Ooh, I actually like that question a lot. Honestly, I would probably ask, uh, along the lines of parenting, I would probably ask, how do you guys stay disciplined in your schedules while also prioritizing your family and your children? Uh, that is a deep fear of mine because I do not want, uh, I'm a workaholic, uh, and it's not a good thing, you know, but, uh, so I would be like, how do I not? And you guys look like you do it. Amazing. Oh my gosh. The struggle is real. I'll say that. Okay. First of all, we'll share this about a month ago. We had a realization, both of us, but Josiah was able to put it to words and it was along the lines of work and family. And we were both experiencing this. And he had said, he goes, I feel guilty when I'm at work because I'm thinking of family. And when I'm a family, I feel guilty because I'm not working. So how do we, cause we work a lot from home, from the college campus, from a coffee shop, all those different locations. So that's been a tension we've been trying to identify and manage. Um, but do you want to unpack what we've, that's good. Been kind, that kind of, well, and cause I was just wrestling, I was waking up and I told Micah this too. I was like, I feel like when the day starts and our daughters wake up, I already feel like I'm behind. Like, I already feel like maybe I missed quiet my, time or missed a word. My heart is fluttering because this is, I know that, like, I'm just like, he's talking about me. Like, <laughs> he knows. <laughs> yeah, he knows, he knows. So, I mean, we're navigating through the thick of it, but what I've had to do and what I've just really looked at this is what I put in this iPhone calendar, it gets done. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm driven. So I need to make sure I drive the right things like date night. Right. So we went to see the new Spider-Man movie. It was awesome. We had popcorn. It was so much fun. And we had childcare while um, my mom actually was watching our two daughters. 
And we did it at a time. So like, we can't feel guilty that we're not with our whole family right now, because I still need to invest Mm -hmm. in Micah Mm -hmm. and we need that Mm -hmm. time as well. And just to smile and laugh and have fun. And then I think like, I've realized that I need to get it done. So I can't stare at the computer screen and finesse an email. It's like, I got to send or hit send later. I find windows Mm -hmm. of time to just like get Mm -hmm. it done, crank it out. And then I've, had to find new hacks or tips. Like one of them is Calendly, like how we set up this meeting. Yeah. These are the hours that we have studio time available and we have childcare and we're good to go. So if this is going to happen, it's got to fit into that time. And then Mm -hmm. I can't feel Mm -hmm. bad if it has to be pushed out a few weeks or rescheduled. Um, but when I'm on at work, I've got to be on, like, there's a mission, there's a call of God on my life. Like there's some things that really need to happen. And then when I'm with family, what I need to do even more is plug this phone right over there and not touch it. So yeah, that's, that's the honest really heartfelt wrestle. Yeah. And this I think- is, I mean, I'm going to be interviewing y'all after this. So <laughs> that's okay. You can. Oh, I think for me, I sort of down four things. Number one, prioritize when the kids are in childcare, I need to be on at work. Like I just need to like, I'm not going to sit here and clean the house. The, the house will get done in its own time. And you have to pick your battles when it comes to that. And then mm-hmm. when I'm on and it's supper time and it's bath time and it's bedtime, it's all those things. I'm not going to be focused on work and in, unless they're already in bed. So just prioritizing those hours and those segments of like, home is home and I'm on right here. And when the girls are at daycare or at, um, with childcare, like I need to be present in that moment. So one prioritize to have fun with your spouse, have fun with Lindsay, go out, be intentional, pursue each other. And to know that it's okay to wrestle through some of the guilty stuff. Cause you feel guilty. Sometimes you're like, yep. Oh, I feel like they're missing out. Oh, it's like, no God, spouse, kids calling that the end, like if the marriage is crazy, the kids feel it. If my relationship with God is not right, Josiah feels it. It just trickles down. So prioritize, have fun and schedule it. If you have to, with the fun, uh, be present, be present, put the phone away. Um, we used to have a Tuesday night date night when we were dating like four or five years ago, I was like, no tech Tuesday, your eyeball to eyeball. You want to go for supper with me? Your phone is not on. (laughs) I needed that. Life I was going to say that says there's a little fire in that. Oh man. <laughs> like, when you're like this, you're like, Oh, how's your day? It's like, okay. Hello. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then the fourth one, I would say, um, guard your Sabbath and guard your or, or Sabbath slash family day. When you have a family, you'll mm-hmm. realize your Sabbath looks a lot different. So Sabbath different. could be going to a zoo with a coffee in hand, not sitting four hours at a coffee shop with your book. <laughs> right. It just looks different, but you're unplugged and you're present with your family. And that's the blessed, the best present you could offer them is to be present. So, So, sorry, that was like 10 minutes. I think we wasted his minutes. (laughs) No, that's perfect. No, that I'm, I uh, will just go ahead and put forth the motion that that didn't count towards my time, but I will say, I'm glad that I asked the question. That was great. That was great. Very good. We have never shared that on the podcast. We have not. Hey, I don't care what age you are. If you don't have kids, that's worth listening to. So y'all make sure you listen to that. <laughs> that's so good. Question number five. You want to throw uh, it that way? Four. Four. Oh, yes. Oh. Four uh, is, we actually already asked you that one. So 
How about this? What have you learned the hard way? Holy smokes. Pride. We've touched on it. Uh, it's, it's pride. Um, I think, I think just being honest, there's so much freedom and just saying the, the honest to God and genuinely honest to God truth, Mm -hmm. uh, about, about my own stuff and shortcomings. Um, I think in, I mean, I know you guys have been in a lot of the same circles I've been. I love so many of the same people that I know we're all good friends with, but sometimes um, in ministry, you can have ministry speak. And I started to pick up on the jargon and I could spiritually talk my way out of seeming like I had any kind of like really difficult things I was dealing with. But the things that I was good at hiding in the light, God started to squeeze out of me in the dark. And, um, and he did, and he still does. And, and I'm, I'm really thankful for it. Um, because I love so much, like even just what we've been able to say about it's, it's helped me care more about origin stories and how did you build this? And what did you go through instead of just being like, I want to be associated with your greatness. I'm like, tell me about the grime. What was it like? Um, so I would say God has wrestled pride out of me. Like I was Jacob. It was brutal, but it was awesome. Luke, man, you have been so transparent mm-hmm. and raw and real. And I just acknowledge you for that because I think um, similarly to you, I've been afraid to name some things in my mm-hmm. life at times. And even I'll just use this as an example. When you said that, when you said pride, I don't look at you any different. I don't think of you any less. In fact, I think I can relate to you more now. But what my misconception was is that if I aired my dirty laundry or if I was raw, real, vulnerable, transparent, authentic, Mm -hmm. aware, self-aware, if I was vulnerable to that point, I thought that people wouldn't like me or I thought they wouldn't listen to me. And I, I was so wrong by that. Mm -hmm. But I just want to say thank you for saying that and sharing that because um, I think good. it's, I've found freedom in that. I found freedom yeah. here today to be myself, to be honest, because you paved the way with that. So no, good. Oh, thank you. Thank I you. No, I appreciate you guys so much. No, it's, uh, this is, this is amazing to be able to have this kind of conversation. I wish that somebody would have done a podcast like this, that I could have tuned into when I got uh, started and there's still so much road to cover, but I wish, 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 wish that I, somebody would have been like, Hey, listen to this, listen to this. So thank you for what you guys have done. You're paved in the way. And I think even just helping people renew their minds uh, mm-hmm. to what God can do in their city and in their context. So thank you for that. I pray Amen. so. Pray so. Okay. Luke, the final question before we wrap up our time with you today if we hand you the microphone and you could tell a group of pastors and young adult ministry leaders, one thing, what would you leave them with today? Oof, that is so good. <laughs> I think, uh, just knowing, knowing what I know as a pastor in their shoes. I think the thing that I would, I would say to them is that the Lord is for you. The Lord is for you. And I don't think anybody tells you that other than yourself. Mm. Uh, and, and I hope, I hope you can hear it from somebody else that is, uh, plowing a similar field in a completely different context. We might be growing different crops, but we're doing it for the same source, um, that the Lord is for you. Keep, keep doing it. 
you might not see any anything pop up yet. It might be a situation where you're growing bamboo and it's going to be seven years before anything pops right. up. I don't I don't know what it looks like for you, but I will say this: the Lord is for you. He loves you. He cares deeply about your soul more than he cares about the work that you're doing for him. And so know that uh, everything that you're doing is not for naught, that there's a God in heaven who loves you and sees you and goes before you and stands beside you and surrounds you in all that you do. And so remember that you are loved and operate out of that love and not for it. That's good. That's good. Luke, I am refreshed. (laughs) By that last statement, that encouragement, that piece of advice in charge and our whole conversation. Like, I feel like you shared some things. I had no idea that you would share, but thank you for going there. Um, So many practical things, but so many soul level things as well. Mm -hmm. And so, man, to you, to Lindsay, we just want to say we're cheering you on. We're praying for this little baby boy who's joining mm-hmm. the squad soon. He's about to join the yes. class. We're excited for you guys and um, really Thank grateful you guys. the process. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. You bet. And if you want to find out more about Luke Luzon, Key, and Your Mess Matters, the book that Luke wrote and authored, you can find out. We'll link it in the show notes and on our website at youngadults.today. Till next time, this is Josiah and Micah. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.